0: What does it mean to bring our whole selves into the world? To give ourselves the gift of unconditional acceptance? Join me as we learn together. I'm Jorgen Salvas, and this is Unshaming. Sadejia McCutcheon describes herself as bold, determined, and becoming. Growing up in the South Bronx in an under-resourced community, she graduated from one of the top universities in the country, started her own beauty brand called Coco Bee, and accepted a full-time offer to work in Silicon Valley, all by the age of 21. Her successes have not been without struggle, though. Growing up in a Black community with a darker skin complexion, she was surrounded by messages that she was not enough as she was to be beautiful. And for many years, she subconsciously believed this. By age eight, she was using lightning creams to brighten her skin. Her journey to liberation has been paved with the belief that your struggle is a critical part of your ultimate path to finding and fulfilling your greatest purpose. This is Sadeja's Unshaming Story.
1: For me, I mean, to put it really, you know, upfront. my shameful story, my shameful aspect of my identity has always been my skin complexion, uh, growing up in the South Bronx, you know, I always reflect on this because I went to an all black elementary school, middle school, all of that. And in those spaces, I was always teased for how dark I was always like it got to the point where my mother had to get involved. I mean, it was bad, right? Like kids, one girl threw pennies at me, told me I was as dark as the homeless man she saw. And so I grew up, really ashamed of how dark I was. And I would come home crying. I mean, even now it makes me really emotional the, how how much I've gone through with my identity because, you know, I go home and I tell my mom and she would always remind me like, you're beautiful, people pay to have that complexion, you know, people tan, yeah. like, you know, all of it. And as a kid, you think your parents are telling you that because- they're parents and they're supposed to love you. You don't understand like really the weight of that love, that Mm -hmm. self-love that your parents are really trying to instill in you. And so most of, most of my life until that year that I started Cocoa Bee, where I started to really understand the, the health and the nutrients that the sun provides to your skin, the sun that I was hiding from my whole entire life, you know, is when I started to embrace it.
0: Where do you think that shame came from or originated from?
1: Mm. You know, I think aside from the bullying, I think it was definitely that I am the darkest person in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom even telling me and reminding me of my beauty and not to be ashamed was several shades lighter than me. I just didn't see anything reflected back at me that that was familiar, mm-hmm. right? That looked like me, that was also beautiful. And so oh. I just sort of, and it sucks because, you know, I was born in 95 and, and, and I'm hearing that this is still happening. Yeah. So that's what's scary to me. And that's what, you know, is most concerning. But I think it definitely came from just not, Not seeing anything like me reflected back at me, right?
0: That's both within your family and also in the mainstream.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I I remember vividly, like not wanting to go out in the summer, like in the heat of the summer, right, where it's sunny. I absolutely did not want to do it. You know, I would rather stay inside with my grandparents and be creative and make things inside. I was never the outside kid at all. I hated it. I hated the idea of me getting several shades darker. I remember even believing that if I piled on sunscreen (laughs) that I was suddenly making myself unavailable to the sun and that I could not get darker. So I even believed that myth that the higher the SPF, right? The higher, you know, the more sunscreen I put on, the less dark I could, become yeah. basically yeah
0: and it's so fascinating to me that you mentioned that you were in an all-black school mm-hmm. and you were doing this to alleviate some of the bullying from other black children yeah. even in the indian community right there's mm-hmm. like so much value placed on people who have fairer skin mm-hmm. where do you feel like that comes from for your experience?
1: It is this mentality that is so pervasive, right? Which is the closer you are to whiteness, mm-hmm. the more successful you are, the more privileged you are, the more access you have to, you know,
0: resources, resources, wealth. a
1: better, a better world, right? right? The more you can imagine yourself in a better world. And so the way that that translates into our communities. is, colorism right it's real it's alive still it's very alive and well and so you know at the risks of going into my critical race theory it is the language we speak it is the language in which we look at one another the way we judge one another the way we choose friends the way we think about who's beautiful who should be in my clique in my circle it's real right and I would say the only thing that sort of makes it feel less pervasive is is when you're unpacking that with Mm -hmm. your community and you're making your community aware. Right. And so it's conversation. It's conversations around shame. My mother grew up in this environment as well. Right. And so if my mother reflects this back at me or makes it so that I'm not fully unpacking this myself, I can't blame her because I understand that her mom did this to her and her mom's mom did this to her, right? And so even in those reminders of my beauty and even in those reminders of, you know, people pay to have this complexion, Mm -hmm. the way I internalize this again is, well, that's my mom, she's supposed to say that, right? Whereas what I would do for my child, who presumably will be like darker complexion is, read up. Let's talk. Let's unpack. Even at a young age, let's mm-hmm. talk about this. Let's let's take a, a, a little walk down memory lane, <laughs> right? Like historical yeah. timeline so that you understand what has been done to our communities to make colorism still show up, right? Like it, it's beyond these affirmations of you're beautiful because I can affirm you all day, but if you don't believe that, you're not going to buy into it. For me, at least, I did not grow up in an environment where um, I, I saw love really or like I really was familiar with love. Like what 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 is love? Like I'm still trying to figure that out in my mm-hmm. life and I'm still very mindful of how I interact in my relationships because I had no positive example of love. And so if that is not something you're familiar with, I cannot possibly understand self love. Right. Um, and it's not to say like I grew up by raised by a single mom who mm-hmm. sacrificed everything for me. Right.
0: So that was it's, gonna be my next question. Is yeah. Like what? Where's the disconnect there between like not having an example, but you revere your mom so much, right? Mm-hmm. You love her.
1: Yeah. It. It. It's that in so many ways, you know, I, because of her being a single mom, I always associated love and unconditional love with sacrifice. Right. And so I always thought that you had to give up stuff to accommodate, to make others at ease. Right. And so for me, that translated into me giving up (laughs) giving up the sun, giving up aspects of my identity that would make others more comfortable and make others tease me less. That self-love, all of that was just not familiar. But what was and what I associated with love was always sacrifice and sometimes even pain, right? And so I'm talking born in 95, so at the age of eight. I was it was 2003. Mm -hmm. I told my mom I wanted to lighten my skin. How the hell did I know what skin lightening was? Right. Like probably some ad I saw on TV. I I could not tell you. My mother refused it. Right. Like, of course she did. And somehow, some way (laughs) I went to some beauty aid store and bought some skin lightening cream that I was using. Right. And I used it behind my mother's back. And I look at pictures because I was always I was a dancer and we always had our um, recital photos. And I always look back at pictures from that year Mm -hmm. and my skin was significantly lighter. And I always reflect back on that. Oh, yeah. Like behind my mother's back, behind my grandparents back. Like I traveled with my cream. Yes. And I was out in the sun um for the, and and this also i think contributed to my fear of the sun because the one year that i was like okay i feel better about my complexion my identity let me do this let me go with my cousins to the beach and the pool yeah. um so I went to jones beach uh which is like i think long island cuz we're from new york and um I was literally just like out there chilling, like no sunscreen, Mm -hmm. just living my best life. And then suddenly my, under my eyes just started burning, like burning. And I went, I I just fell asleep because it was just so painful that sleep was the best thing I could do. And my mom picked me up and I started crying. And as the water from my tears touched my face under my eyes, it was just burning. And I, I kid you not, It took like six months for that to heal because the sunburn turned into a scab, which then peeled, and then under my eyes were so much lighter than the rest of my face, right? Like raw skin, essentially. And that had to heal to become the same color of my skin. And that whole process was the most like scary, time traumatic, right? Because it's like, I feared the sun my whole life. I went through this whole process of getting my skin lighter. I thought that that made me so much that would allow me to embrace the sun more. And even then, I go through this experience where my skin is literally on fire. Mm -hmm. Right. So it went further than skin complexion and identity to literally like health. Right. And I think that that is what Coco Bee became for mm, me right? right like becoming more familiar with my identity through healthier practices with my skin
0: the human mind i think is so powerful in that sense
1: mm-hmm. when
0: we really believe something mm-hmm. it literally dictates our involuntary actions yeah and thoughts and so my next question to you is when did that belief system begin to shift Mm. when did you believe that you were beautiful Mm -hmm. you know because it's a different thing i think to to know and to believe Mm -hmm. a lot of times i knew that it was okay to be gay Mm -hmm. but i didn't believe that it was Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah so i want to know kind of what that process was like for you like truly going from knowing and hearing those affirmations from your mother to believing that mm-hmm.
1: I think I always, well, actually, no, I, be, I always believed myself to be this very innovative child. And all of that time that I spent inside where other kids were out playing, mm-hmm. I was always making stuff. I was always doing stuff, right. thinking, reading, like expanding my mind And so there was never any doubt that I wasn't amazing. The beautiful thing, you know, I always believed this mantra and it's still my mantra. It's fake it until you make it. Right. So even as a kid, despite the bullying, I think any kid who is bullied has to believe that. Right. Like you have to believe something to get you through that and get you to show up to school despite it. Right. And so for me, it was just Fake it till you make it, right? And so I did not feel beautiful, but I believed that I was, right? I believed that there was something in me that was cooking. There was some something in me blossoming that would someday reveal itself, right? It. That would allow for all of those bullies and those haters to just look back and think, wow, like in I in the can't-
0: midst of all that change. In
1: the midst, yeah. it hurt it hurt. And I went through some really terrible measures to stop it from happening. But I did always believe that there was some higher purpose in me. Right. And I also grew up like at a very religious school. And so I believe that there was a higher purpose, higher plan for me, period. Right. That this was temporary. And so I I think when when I launched Coco Bee, that was also the most mindful journey I had ever been on in my life. It also revealed to me that those beliefs that I always had and saw were there actually existed, right? And that I was revealing myself to the world in a way that was like, hey, y'all can (laughs) laugh at me all day, but look, like I am starting this company that is based off of everything you've put me through and am now showing you and showing myself that, you know what, actually darker, darker, the better, darker, the better. As long as my skin is healthy and as long as I understand that this outermost layer of my skin, this organ is alive and I should be fueling it and putting stuff, love, energy, yes. oils, butters, aloe yes. back into that, then I'm good, yeah. you know, and so. It's so funny, but I just remember the day I decided to launch Coco Bee was also the day that I was affirmed in my beauty in so many ways. Right. I glowed. I mean, truly. And that was your freedom moment. It was my freedom. I glowed. I saw people look at me differently and not to say I needed that validation, but I felt so free. I You're didn't wear makeup. Just <laughs> I just, I was so happy. Yeah. You know, I was able to walk through the street literally and just feel. And I think for so much of my life, I didn't, I I did not allow myself to feel. And so, you know, that was also the same summer year that you know, I think carrying it into the year that I found out I was getting this Google internship Mm -hmm. and, you know, I got all this funding for Coco B and, you know, people were buying products. I mean, I just felt like there were no limits. There were no limits. And yeah, I think me embracing my identity really allowed me to believe that my identity was deserving and beautiful and amazing.
0: And that your potential was limitless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I just love that so much because one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is like, what is your freedom moment? You know, which is what watching yeah. Cocoa was for yeah. you. I think there's an idea that a moment is something that just kind of happens. Yeah. But there's always so much inner work that has to lead up to that in order for it to be a freedom moment.
1: Mm -hmm. It requires so much mindfulness and introspection and And also belief that you can persevere
0: because of your fear of becoming darker. Mm -hmm. You had spent so much time indoors and that was where the cultivating happened mm-hmm. of creativity, of building, mm-hmm. which is which led to your freedom moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, too, I was thinking about that the other day. It was like, you know, if I wasn't in the closet for so many years, yeah. if I wasn't so ashamed of mm-hmm. who I was um, and, and and bullied and all of that, I wouldn't have the gifts that I have now we don't have these moments of liberation without really intense pain Mm -hmm. and suffering and introspection and awareness and so i think to everyone that's listening out there it's all part of your journey Mm
1: -hmm. you have to believe that you know i think at the core of those experiences and despite you know me hearing my mother but not really believing her i believed that there was something mm-hmm. about this whole experience that i had to unpack and understand someday right I had to make sense. I was always the type of kid to have to make sense out of things. Right. And so for me, this experience, I always believe was a part of that process of understanding, making sense of something so much greater. Right. And I'm so with you around um, through that liberation and um, that freedom moment. That can that is oftentimes most achieved through pain and painful experiences, because I think the people I gravitate towards most and the people that I happen to just believe are incredibly talented, aware movers and shakers in this world <laughs> yeah. happen to be people who've also gone through really traumatic experiences And breakups. (laughs) And I think I've told you this before, but I think there's two types (laughs) of people who go through breakups, right? There's a person who realizes that this is an opportunity to reinvent themselves because they have to be reborn, to be reborn, because they've been so accustomed to seeing their identity attached to someone else's identity. Right. And when that attachment is broken, basically shattered. Right. You have to repair. You have to go into this human instinct to fix what is broken. Right. And it's not just fixing that person you once were, but to better yourself, right? That's one person. The other person, I mean, we're familiar with is the person who just, you know, gets really sad and lets that sadness linger and just doesn't really use that as an opportunity for growth may enter another relationship, whatever. And so I have always found that the people I gravitate towards most are the people who have really
0: overcome strife. Yes.
1: And have really used pain to manifest a better reality and one that is inclusive, right? Not just for yeah. us, me and you, or for our own selves, but is outward looking, right? Like that is what a CEO, I should hope, that is what a journalist does, right? That is what who we want to be mm-hmm. does. Yeah. And so we're on our way, you know? And I think we just have yeah. to keep believing that.
0: So what are your tips for overcoming external validation mm. that is approval that's outside of yourself.
1: I think, um, my tips today are definitely different from the tips I had eight years old self, or even <laughs> 16 year old self. Um, and those tips today would be reflect. I think reflection is the most powerful tool that, we have mm-hmm. and that we can give ourselves, right? R- asking yourself questions around, you know, what can I do to show up fully today? I ask myself that every single morning, right? What can I do to shine my light today? What can I do to embrace mm-hmm. the complexity today, right? Mm-hmm. How can, I, w- what and how questions are the most Important gifts we can give ourselves. So I think that those types of questions, right? What and how? How do I? What can I? You are your greatest gift, period, mm-hmm. right? And that anybody who tries to intercept that or anyone who tries to validate you, that's still their reality of you, right? That's still what they think you are. But you are the only person who can control what you are. Yes. So that's my biggest tip.
0: The last question is, how do you love yourself?
1: I think for me right now, and and for the last few years, it's been my skincare regimen. Um, I view that as my sacred time. For me, my self-love always comes back to my my skin in a really interesting way. But um,
0: isn't that so ironic? So ironic that your shame is what ended up being how you show yourself love.
1: Exactly. And that is to me like the tale of a greater purpose, right? Like that pain was for a reason. And as a kid, I always believed that. It hurt to believe that. But I always believed that. And rather than... You know, me choosing to stay inside and just sit inside or watch TV inside, I hated that. I wanted to be active inside, right? While kids were playing, I was playing too. You know, it was a different type of play. And it was really because of my experiences that my play was redefined. But so is that reality. You know, that reality that we create is redefined. So,
0: and I wanted to also call out how you had said your self care routine Mm -hmm. because i kind of really believe that it's a ritual yes love is a ritual yeah it's doing the same stuff over and over and over again even when you don't want to but love is like not so much once all the time Mm -hmm. but needs Mm -hmm. you know and meeting that need over and over again Mm -hmm. over a long period of time
1: yeah it's also like what what feels easy, right? And like what doesn't feel sacrificial. Yes. Right. And I think returning back to sort of the way I always felt love was always through sacrifice. In my in my experience it was through my mom raising me alone, she had to sacrifice a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't see her self-love come up often right and so for me it's really reminding myself that my self-love and my ritual there's no room for sacrifice there right there there just isn't like it is all good reflected towards me it just doesn't even feel like i'm giving up anything right it's a necessity and so yeah
0: well you are love thank you i love you (laughs) love you too I'm Jorgen Salvis, and you've been listening to Unshaming. For more information on anyone featured on the show, follow us on Instagram at Unshaming or visit UnshamingPodcast.com. If you liked this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or want to tell us what you're Unshaming, message us on Instagram or email us at UnshamingPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.